Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. Our show is supported by LaCole, who produce performance cycling apparel. More on them later. It's the big dance. It's the Tour de France preview, probably going to be our most popular episode of the year. We've been preparing for this. Well, I mean, this is why you grind Tour de Romandie wet stages at 4 o'clock in the morning in Australia because you get to this race and you're ready. <laughs> the structure of this podcast will be, and this is going to be very fulsome, we know what you want, we know why you're here. General race overview, you know, the where they're going, etc. France. Uh, France and Andorra, where I live, the uh, fantasy competition, and then which we're going to have just like in the Giro, GC contender and team strength discussion. We'll go through all of them in depth, probably a little bit more detail about the tactics than we did in the Giro, then the trademark stage-by-stage analysis, then our predictions at the end. Because, yeah, there's a lot to discuss about this route. But first of all, the overview. Well, first of all, Benji. How excited are you? are you? Are you G'd up? I see the rat thing's got some sunnies on. Yes, yes, yes. It's ready as well. And I'm ready as well. I'm looking forward to the uh, Tour de France. Been looking forward to it for uh, a few weeks now. We had a bit of a pause when it comes to the podcast and we can jump right in and, uh, oh, it's time, It's the time of the year. Let's be real. And it's the, uh, the top legends of the sport at the moment fighting against each other. And not only Pogacar and Roglic like last year, but Van der Poel in the Tour de France. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so hyped about it. <laughs> I have I didn't have any of the rights to any of his races this year. He did the Italian program to basically screw me over. <laughs> but finally, I'm going to have some race footage of him. So the Tour de France starts in northwest France in Brittany. Got the famous Murder Britannia on stage two. Could be windy. So early, you know, wind is what could spice up the early part of this race. There's, you know, reasonably cold and rainy conditions expected as they go through there in the middle of France, like 13 to 16 degrees, bit of rain, a lot of flat stages. Then they go to the Alps, Grand Bonin stage, then go south, more flat stages, more transition stages. And it gets a little bit harder as they sort of go into the pre-Pyrenees in stages sort of 14, 15 is in the Pyrenees, then rest day in Andorra. So 15 finishes in Andorra, then 16 leaves from Andorra, goes up and sort of does a, a couple more Pyrenean climbs. Transition 19, TT stage 20, just like last year, then finishing in Paris on the Champs-Élysées. Sorry, I should have said TT stage 5 as well, rest day after stage 9. So what, what do you make of the general route overall, Benji? Is it if, if you want to tell people how it's different to previous years, is it more sprinty, less sprinty, more breakaways? What's your gut take on it? I think it's got more of a traditional look when it comes to the sprints, more flat pure flat sprints, more opportunities for the sprinters to take control and take those stages home themselves without that many opportunities for breakaways on the flatter parkours. And then we look at GC-wise, and there's so many time trial kilometers, so that is going to weigh heavy on the outcome of this race, most likely. Now, the favorites of this race are GC riders with time trial abilities. We'll go over them in a second, but that's indeed something I do view here. And we've also got a few mountain stages that do finish in descents, which I find satisfying. I enjoy descending, and I think it's a part of the sport, and I think that you should be able to do so. And it puts pressure on the GC riders that don't necessarily have that skill in their uh, arsenal. So those are the uh, main things. I think that one thing that's lacking a tiny bit for me, not necessarily because I love them, but I feel like there's not that many transitioning stages. Where I say, oh, this is a breakaway stage. Yeah, I agree. Oh, this is a breakaway stage. I agree with that. It's it's very polarized how we view these stages. But we'll get into the GC contenders. I've got some pretty strong views on that. But, you know, if you don't like the descent finishes, I guess what I'd ask is, did you enjoy stage nine called the Marie Blanc stage, the Pagacha one last year in that group with Pagacha, <laughs> Hirschi, Bernal, Roglic? 
compared to the stage Royal Wish one on stage five, where it was a 30 guy sprinting, you know, that's not particularly memorable. But here are the, the contenders. I'll do the, you know, you know how we do it, betting, because that has the implied odds. Pagatcha's the GC favorite. Don't agree. Don't agree with it. He's at $2.80. Uh, so that gives him all oh, quick maths, one over 2.8. So the market's saying he has a 35% chance of winning. Roglic is second in the betting. He's at $3.70. So the market's giving him about a 27% chance of winning. Then next is Grant Thomas. So three TT guys, as Benji said. He's at $7.40. He's drifted a bit. He was six fifty recently. Bagatch has been around there for like the last three weeks. And Carap has really come in since before the Tour de Suisse. He was longer. Now he's at 12s, 12 and a half. Richie Port next at 35. So he's got Ineos 3, Whoa. 4, 5 in the betting. Well, are you surprised he's so long? Yeah, Yeah, we'll I talk am. about that in a second. I am too, Benji. Then it's Alaphilippe at 45. So 2% chance of winning. And then the sort of real outsiders, Lopez, 50s, Gegenhardt, 80, Uran at 80, Mars given no chance, Van Aert, given no chance, Haig, 150. So it's very, it, compared to last year where Bernal and Roglic were like fours and fives, we've got Pikachu Roglic really, you know, one and two with then Thomas, and then Ineos is basically the best of the field. What jumps out at you the most and surprises you, Benji? I think that the, um, the comparison between Roglic and Pogacar, the fact that we've seen them both dominate their races the entire season, except for Pogacar, perhaps the ITT in Slovenia recently, but I don't think you can use that too much as it's a time trial just before the Tour de France, so he might not be giving his full in the corners and so forth because injuries and so forth. So I'm, I'm honestly guessing that that race shouldn't be a, a high influence here. So in regards to the odds, I'd say that Bogacar and Roglic are certainly the favorites, but I think that a Richie Port versus a Thomas, those odds are a bit, yeah, it's a bit of a huge difference. While I think that Port should be uh, much closer, and we'll discuss that later on in the um, latter predictions and so forth. We'll discuss but, it now. Why is okay. Port, he won Dauphiné, probably a better climber than Thomas at Dauphiné. He's been better in the time trial, more consistent this year than Thomas at uh, Catalonia. Etc. He crashed out of Paris Nice, would have been good competition there. Why is he 35s and Thomas is 7.5? They both have issues with descending and staying on the bike, of course. I see them equally as bad in that respect. Port came third last year, and I think Port was, oh, big odds. No one expected him to come third last year. He was on Trek Segafredo, Magic TT in stage 20. That kind of went under the radar, like really, really good TT. He's 12 seconds slower than Pagatra on the Porsche de Belfi section which is people forget that. And yeah, I just, I, I don't see the difference between him and Thomas that much. Now, maybe people are saying, well, you remember his interview after the Dauphiné, Benji, where he's like, oh, well, going back to being a domestique now, it's like, really? Like, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure like Ineos need to have a multi-leader strategy. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's talk about strategy now. So Pagacha and his team, Pagacha's team is, is confirmed now. It's Pierre, Costa, Formolo, Hiroshima, McNulty, they are Steka Langen. Do you think Pagacha should be the favorite Benji, you know, 10% more chance than Roglic to win? And what do you make of his team? I think that he's definitely one of the two favorites. I can't say whether he's that much better than Roglic at the moment as potential winner of this Tour de France. I think that I do trust his overall climbing over three weeks more. And that's what I've got in mind as the reason that those odds could be better for Pogacar because... If we come to week three and we've got a time trial on stage 20, it scares me. Roglic has had bad TTs in 
third weeks. And he's had average TTs in third weeks as well. While Bogachar's third week so far in the Velt of 2019 and the Tour of 2020 were insanely good. So that recovery of Bogachar is what drives me into saying that he's arguably the favorite for this Tour de France personally. I think that you disagree with that a bit and we'll discuss that later. But I think for his team, I think it's a decent team. Like it's better than last year. He's got more support in my eyes. I think that McNulty and Tuda, no, Dauphiné, it was not Swiss, with Dauphiné, he didn't perform at the level that I was expecting him to do, but I do still think that he's a very valuable luxury domestique for Pogacar. Mikel Bjerga on the flat, but also on the hilly terrains as well. They got Lange definitely on the flat sections. If there's crosswinds in the first week, he's going to need a rider like that because Langen is pretty damn good on the flat sections. And then we've got Formula. Hasn't been that great at the Giro. Was decent, but not at the level we were hoping for in certain stages. But as a domestique, I do trust him that he's going to be there in certain places where Pogacar will need him, in the sense that De La Cruz was last year, for example. Then Maika, he was decent at Slovenia. I'm not sure about his super domestique status. I think that he's going to no, be a he, decent he, domestique. Yeah, a super domestique. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's also my doubt about him. And then we have Hirschi, who on paper could be a decent domestique, but on the other end, I've got the feeling that He's the kind of rider that I don't want to see domestiquing for Pogacar too much and hopefully going in the breakaway and go for certain stages because that's what made him so great to look at last year. But I'm not sure that fits in the team plans here. Rick Costa was great at Tour de Suisse. I do trust Costa in being actually decent at this Tour de France. Thus, I think that he's going to be worthy. But is it going to be useful for Pogacar? And then I'm looking at the other teams, Jumbo and Ineos, and the team of UAE is just not as good, simply as that. I don't think the team composition works together as well as the Ambo and Inyal squad. And the factor there is that last year Pogacar won it basically with almost no team. He had help of Polans and De La Cruz, but outside of that, it's not like he had too much help. On the flat sections, he lost time in that crosswind. He didn't have support there. Now he has the riders to be able to have that. And they didn't bring Christoph, they didn't bring Trenton. The team is entirely filled with riders that will support Pogacar and I think that's the difference with last year and if he won the tour without a team like that what can he do with better riders this year I don't I think Roglic should be the favorite I think the odds are the wrong way around but anyway we'll talk about that in a second before <laughs> if you if you want to you know compete against me and Benji we are run, once again having a grand tour uh, Velo Games LRCP league it's the same league code on the Velo Games website, code eight four four eight five. It remains active. I didn't even realize that people were running LRCP uh, Romandine Swiss leagues. That wasn't even in. We're going to have it again. It's called the Velo Games Great Big Bike Game twenty two. And yeah, I'm excited for it. If you want to go and check that out again, because we just sent off all the uh, <laughs> we were behind in admin, but we sent off all the prizes for the Giro d'Italia winners the other day so they're all on their way out it's the same same thing again for the Tour de France the Lecol our show partner you'll win a full jersey if you win the LRCP uh, league and second and third will receive a jersey each and speaking of Lecol Lecol have been supporting the show since its inception almost they were at the Giro Giro d'Italia last year when Benji and I weren't even doing vodcasts of the podcast they're back for in 2021 as a for the show partner for the full year and they have a collaboration with mclaren it's called project aero collection 
and you've seen this already. But if you want to check it out, if you've got some time trials coming up or maybe you just want to be faster than your mates, you might want to check that out. It's They're also launching a new collection uh, this weekend, which I can't talk about yet. I'll, I'll mention it after Stage 1, so stay tuned for the Stage 1 uh, recap. But, yeah, we'll also be talking about Drops LaCole, who LaCole are named uh, partners of or named sponsors of in our LaCourse preview, which will drop tomorrow. So thanks to LaCole for supporting the podcast. Of course, we have another code, LRTDF20, all caps LRTDF20, for 20% off during the Tour de France. There was a massive uptake in the Giro code during the Giro. Pretty much the Mountaineer jerseys were flying off the shelves. So, yeah, if you want to get 20% off for some summer kit, which I have actually, yeah, this basically these jerseys you can barely get anymore. Pro ones because everyone bought them. Um, so if you want to get them for summer, LRTDF20. But Benji, it's time for GC Tactics discussions. A lot of people have been talking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. You've got these three figurehead teams. We already mentioned UAE and spoken about it in the context of the betting. But, but Jumbo Visma, Primoz Roglic, Wapenart, Turnison, Hersink, Wingergaard, Tony Martin, Sepkus, Kreisweich. The big omission is obviously Tom Dumoulin, who took a break from cycling. This parkour was absolutely perfect for him, either as a leader if he was in that condition or certainly as a valued helper. There's been some really conflicting statements or just weird statements, frankly, from Wout van Aert and his camp about, I'm going to the Tour. I'm not going for the green jersey. I'm not competing in punch sprints. I'm not going to be helping in the mountain train too much either. And I'm like, you're a superstar. Don't get me wrong, Wout van Aert. I get it. But this is the Tour de France. This ain't a let's just, you know, fill up the roster spot to, uh, you know, get get some form in before the Olympics. Primoz Roglic and Jumbo trying to win the tour here. Do you think he's just basically playing down expectations, Benji, as Jumbo and he kind of ordinarily do? And or are you not expecting him to be in the form of last year where he was dropping good riders on in the mountains? Well, there's some doubts regard in regards to that. So to give a full timeline, I think uh, a month and a bit ago, or even less than a month ago, he had a surgery in regards to an appendicitis in injury, and that made him be off the bike for a, a good week and a half in terms of not being able to train and such. So that is definitely a factor. Do I think that he's potentially using that to tone down expectations? Yes, I would do so as well. I think that's a very viable thing to do. He went to the Belgian champs just the other week, uh, last Sunday, and he simply won that. He did that riding away on a flat section together with Evenepoel in his wheel. The peloton wasn't necessarily responding directly, so that's a benefit there. So it was not like an insane acceleration, but they rode away and turns bridged over and those three were able to stay away from a peloton with an entire Alpecin train trying to chase them. So yeah, he's definitely in decent form. I won't say he's a... Uh, that doubtful but i'm not sure about his like overall mountain performance i we don't have a clear view of it since tireno tireno was great got second there in the end in gc i think and that climbing stage on prato di tivo he basically destroyed every expectation everybody had that was really good and he did that while climbing for like seven kilometers at the front of the group because quite simply he didn't have teammates that day so he had to do everything alone and he still finished in the podium of that Tireno. Now, do I think that he's a GC rider in this Tour de France? I don't think so. At Tireno, I would have said, yeah, he can be a co-leader, but the kind of joker co-leader in, in the sense in the first week, you know, he can be close in GC. 
And as a consequence, you can play with him in the second and third week. I don't have that confidence anymore. And perhaps it is because they're downplaying that expectation or because of that surgery. But I don't have that confidence fully in Van Aard right now to say, in the mountains, he's going to be there for the team. But I do kind of feel like he could because that Belgian champs was a good performance. You don't win a Belgian champs that easily just after coming back from an injury and totally not having form. So that he doesn't have form at all, I don't believe. But I do truly believe that it might not be at the top level of last year because last year was Fanad at an insane level and it's hard to top that. Here's my view on how Jumbo Visma should ride the Tour de France and maybe Belgians won't like it. We're going to put Wout van Aert in a Michal Kwiatkowski prison and say, yep. Wout, you are shackled to Roglic. Stage one, you're riding, you're going to lead out Roglic. Roglic super punchy. So he's still underrated, I think, in how quick he is. If you look at that Laporte. He basically let out Laporte and Michael Matthews in stage six, maybe, of the Paris-Nice this year. Yeah, I'm... Well, for not, you're riding for Roglic there. He needs the bonus second. Stage two, Mur de Britannia, Roglic. TT, obviously, Wout goes for himself. I, I would personally have been asking Wout to go for bonus seconds in the bunch sprints too because I, I'd want him to pick up those bonuses where none of the other GC contenders can do that. And I don't think he can be a GC contender for three weeks, but I think he's a valuable tool they can play with on stage seven. So stage seven is a difficult stage. It's before the first climbing stages really kick off. It's 250 k's long. It's a classic within the Tour de France. And you've got rolling climbs. And after the TT, Wout will, unless he crashes or something bizarre, you know, in the sprint stages, he will be close on GC. In fact, he will be probably ahead of many, most of the GC contenders. And I'm expecting him to do a better TT than Thomas. And if you've got Roglic right up there, you've got him the bonuses in one and two, he then takes, takes you know, three, four, and six off. I would be using Wout as an attacker. I'd have Wout if I was Jumbo Visma, basically, I'd call Alperson yesterday and say, listen, <laughs> Van der Poel, we're going we're gonna to give him a stage. We're going to attack on this climb. Wout will go with Van der Poel. Alaphilippe as well? Out, well, yeah, I mean, sure, Alaphilippe, yeah, if I'm Jumbo Visma, I'm not concerned about him. We'll work 100% together. Wout will gift you the stage, Matthew, on this classic stage. And, uh, yeah, he can gain some more time on GC and force this UAE team, which I have some question marks about, to chase, put a lot of pressure on Mikhail Björk. And this is not a, you know, super hilly. You need power, big power. Now, Virgil Stekelanger, I like him, but that's something I would do if I was Jumbo Visma, try and think a bit creatively with Wout. And also, maybe he can go for the stage win as well. because. I think the parkour really, really suits Roglic. The last TT is a, per- a perfectly flat one. It's their very linear stages. And uh, I also think it would be really weird if you basically have Van Aert taking bonification away from Roglic in stages one and two when they're the very advantage Roglic has and how he gains a lot of time. I just think that's kind of counterproductive and they really need to iron, iron that out. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about? Do you think Wild Van Aert will be willing to basically just be a pure domestique for Roglic? He says he kind of isn't. I think that he should. I agree with your strategy. Uh, Belgians will indeed not like it at all, but that includes me. But in the end, it's it's the one that is the most important. Roglic is their all-out leader. If you look at the team of Jumbo compared to Ineos, Jumbo has one clear leader. 
Sepkaz is not a leader. Thingigar is not at the level of a leadership. And Fanart, I don't trust him to be a leader here. So Roglic is leader. And if that is the case, then every rider on the team should be going for that yellow jersey, except for on stages that it doesn't matter. Like you said, the time trials. Fanart can win the time trials. I, I'm looking forward to them. I think that it's definitely possible. And on stage one and two, that's indeed a factor because if you think about what if they go for Vanard on stage one and two, then you have to think about who's going to help Vanard in positioning and such. Mike Turnison, it's going to be hard for him on day one and two. He can get over hills and so forth, but it's not that amazing. Roglic needs well. It's he needs yeah. him for, for the positioning to keep him safe. And, and like Roglic can actually get indeed bonus seconds on the first two stage that an Ineos cannot get. So. That's indeed a factor that, like you mentioned, would be an ideal strategy, but I don't think it's the one that they're going to go for. But uh, I want to expand on it more, Benji. So, you know, no one ex- is expecting, maybe we, we, when the Tour de France parkour came out, we basically said, well, can win the Tour de France, uh, given his level. In- well, I did. I certainly did. Probably with the appendectomy, no, not anymore. But stage eight, the mountain stage, for example, the mountain stages. I think Yama Visma should completely reverse their strategy of last year, which was, we are going to pace not just tempo, we're going to pace so hard, even with the break up the road, go and look at stage eight, you know, Nance Pater's nine minutes ahead. We're going to pace so hard that we're going to drop every rider with a descent finish and just leave Roglic isolated. That's what they did. And it's still, and people, a lot of people will say, oh, what, what could Yama Visma have done differently? Go and watch stage eight and explain the rationale for pacing so hard you drop your whole team, you remove Dumoulin as a GC threat, and you leave Roglic in a group of eight GC guys on his own. It doesn't make sense. I would flip the script this year, and if Roglic is in yellow, ride like Ineos did on Montaguel stage five or whatever, the stage yeah, Lushenko one. Exactly. Ride just a big group. Descent finishes, you want to have Steven, Sepp, as Vingegaard. You want to have Helsinki, even if he can. You want all the guys around him. You also don't want to drop Wout unnecessarily if he is, you know, 40 seconds behind on GC, etc. So if Pogacar attacks, if someone, if Carapaz attacks, if I'm Roglic, I bridge, I sit on them, and I say, Wout's behind, I'm not pulling. And I wouldn't, I would ride completely passive. And then for, when, when have you remember, has there ever been a time, Benji, when in their short, you know, Pogacar's short career, where Pogacar has been the one pulling Roglic <laughs> for you know, four kilometers on a climb because everyone's like, oh, well, they're equal at the end of a, hill, a climb. Well, I don't think they're equal at the end of a climb when it's a sprint. I think the, the race situations have been Roglic doing the majority of the work. Stage nine on the flat, he pulled the last 700 meters because he was worried about the GC gap closing and he lost the sprint. So, yeah, what do you think about Roglic sort of being only, attack, only being aggressive when you actually want to gain time gain, and attack? And if, if not, ride completely passive and trust your TT, trust your punch. I agree with that, but I think that it will highly be influenced by the behavior of the other teams. A Pogacar might not be your villain there in that story, but an Ineos has multiple leaders, so can force you to get out of that True. position of playing defensively against Pogacar. So I think your strategy works perfectly to zone out Pogacar, but I think that might give an opportunity towards Ineos to use this as an opportunity and say, Carapaz, just have some fun. And I think that's where that comes in. Nonetheless, like you said, that hilly stage, I think to um, stage seven, 
uh, that is indeed one where you can play the card of an odd and such. And that is one where you might be able to hit Ineos, I'd say. Because if you look at the Giro, for example, with Bernal, their team there was so strong for these hilly stages, and Bernal is really good at those. But this time we've got Port and Thomas as those leaders, and that's where it becomes treacherous. Carapaz, I trust him on those parkours, personally. I think that Carapaz might be the one I trust the most on that stage to do well. But Thomas and Port are the ones that could be in danger that day. They've got the team around them to keep them safe. But if you played really hard with Jumbo, with Fanat and such, then that could cause troubles. And I think that's where you can hit on Ineos while your strategy would work out perfectly to try and hit on Pogacar. But then the question is, for example, if you play it defensively, let's say you play it indeed defensively in the first spots and on stage seven, you try and use Vanad, will that hurt Pogacar? Slightly. But I think that the danger there is that Pogacar might be ahead of you in GC at that point, ahead of Roglic because of the time trial and so forth. The initial time trial, the flat one, I personally have more confidence in Pogacar than Roglic on that one. And that's a, that's an, it's one or the other, but I'm leaning towards Pogacar on that one. And as a consequence, then he might be ahead of Roglic in GC, and then you're basically playing defensively against somebody that is ahead of you in GC. And at what point in the race will you try and switch that around to, now I need to attack Pogacar? Is that going to be on Col de Porte? Is that going to be beforehand? I don't know. I think... Ineos, uh, they got to play with fire and they might get burnt. Their team, Carapaz Castroviejo, who seems to re- he's replaced Dennis. Castroviejo did the Giro, kind of surprising that he's in the team and Dennis is not there given the parkour I thought really suits Dennis. I'm not sure what's going on there. Gagenhardt, Kwiatkowski, Port, Rowe, Thomas, Van Bala. Good in crosswinds with Thomas, Rowe, Van Bala, Kwiatkowski and good in medium mountains. I think stage seven Van Bala could be very good in a move with Carapaz attacking. Port solid TT will always be a threat. Problem is stages one and two. I'm worried about them in the wet conditions. Frantic Tour de France, no three kilometer rule. We'll talk about that later, but I'm worried about them. And I'll take you back to Prati de Tivo, Tivo stage four of Tirreno, whatever it was. Benji's already mentioned it. Ineos tried the multi leader attack. And I know Thomas wasn't on his best form, but. They attacked with Bernal. You know what happened? Pagacha bridged to Bernal. He sat on Bernal, and then Thomas was dropping. And then Thomas attacked. Pagacha bridged to to Thomas, and then started pay, and then attacked Thomas and made Thomas go over his limit. And then Bernal and, and Thomas finished behind the main GC group. They finished behind Fanat. So you can say, "Oh, we'll attack with Carapaz," but then when Roglic bridges to him, he was like, "You basically have almost provided a satellite rider for Roglic." And I guess if I'm Carapaz, I stop pulling and then you just go back to the group and then maybe attack again and just force Roglic or Pagacha to respond to those attacks. But it is playing with fire in that you might be, you attack, the pace increases chasing them, Roglic or Pagacha bridges, and then they see that Thomas is struggling because I don't think Thomas is as good. Uh, is gonna, I think he's going to have pro- trouble on the climbs. And then Pagacha and Roglic are like, very nice. We're already two minutes ahead of Carapaz on GC because of the stage five TT yep. and some other stuff. We'll just pace. We're not worried about Carapaz. Like, if you're Roglic, yeah, Pogacar might beat you in the final TT. Carapaz, even if Roglic has, <laughs> he breaks his leg. <laughs> Roglic is going to beat him in the <laughs> Roglic is going to beat him in the final TT. Slight exaggeration. <laughs> I, I don't know. So you can pace with Carapaz without too much concern. So 
I think Port they've got to use as an attacker as well, like they did in Criterium de Dauphine. But yeah, I, I see I see I have a really hard time seeing how Thomas wins this tour, to be honest, because the main way I see them winning Benji yep. is Carapaz Giro twenty nineteen. He attacks Nibali Roglic, aka Pegacha Roglic this year, like you at, you close it. no you close it yeah no I, I don't believe that you I don't, don't believe that'll happen because Nibali and Roglic were that was a different dynamic Nibali is a snake in cycling <laughs> I love Nibali but he's a snake and <laughs> he was just pulling straight revenge onto Roglic that day and did not want to take over and Roglic well I don't think they're yeah. best mates Pogacar and yeah Roglic. but I think they'll know at a certain point that I did I don't think they're grudge against each other is as big as Nibli and Roglic is that that Giro because that was straight up fire spitting at each other. If I'm Roglic, I am not pulling Pogaccia on a climb without him helping for Pogaccia to then win this Tour de France. I'm not doing it again. I'd, he, if I'm Roglic, I'd rather come fifth, honestly. Why would they not help at well, that moment? I don't know. Maybe Pogaccia, you're right. Maybe Pogaccia <laughs> helps. He probably will help. They do. You know, Basque Country, they kind of relay turns, I, I seem to remember. But yeah, that's just a dynamic that I, I, if I'm Roglic, I'm going to ride a lot more passive-aggressive uh, rather than just constantly on at this year's tour. What about the outsiders, Benji? Um, or is, have we sort of rounded off the tactics of UAE, Jumbo, Visma, Ineos? If you're, if you're Pagach, I sort of, we, I've spoken at length about Jumbo, Visma, but if, and Ineos, I guess, they've got to attack and just hope Thomas and Port keep it upright and gain the TT. UAE, Benji, is it? Just keep Pagacha close, try and keep him safe, and then hope he goes yep. absolutely bananas on one of the longer climbs. Yep. I believe that Tata Pagacha is all-out leader as in like miles ahead of the rest of the team, so there's no one they can really use as potential, well, GC opportunity. I think McNulty fitted <laughs> with the profile, but his form at Dauphine didn't shout anything yeah. related to that. So I'm I'm off the hype train there. So I believe that everything's for Pogacar. Set that up, get him to a safe position and keep him safe as long as possible. Stay with him as long as possible and be there while he did not have other riders at certain places last year. And for Ineos, again, I think that Ineos is the only team where the leadership is indeed shared at the moment. It's unknown who's going to come out on top of the It has the top to be shared. Year. It has to be. And Yeah, exactly. And that's also their strength, but it's also their potential weakness. Because what happens? Where's the hierarchy if something goes wrong? And that's always a danger with multiple leaders. And I'm pretty sure that Ineos has always had a relative good idea of how to switch around between leaders. Uh, if they can do it. They, go wrong. They're the only team that can do it properly. Look at look at Dauphiné okay. when when Thomas told Paul yep. to go. It's yep. the only team that can do it. What about speaking of teams that are good with multiple leaders, Benji? Team Movistar. Movistar. Alejandro Valverde, Verona, Mas, Erviti, Garcia, Cortina, Arcas, Soler, Lopez. Not three leaders weren't enough, Benji. Four leaders for Movistar. How do you think it's going to play out for them? I don't think I consider Soler a leader. I don't think I consider Valverde a leader. <laughs> so for me, they have two leaders, Lopez and Mas. I think that Lopez's time trial is very inconsistent. He's got horrendous TTs, he's got good ones. I think in Swiss, his time trial was good. If he can do that, then he can keep himself in the top five potential position because I think that the stage like the call the Porte one, the one we'll discuss later on, like 2,200 meters of altitude, feels very similar to Col de la Loz, except for the fact that the last three kilometers are not 20%, which is a big detail that I'm <laughs> trying to uh, 
look over. But in the end, I think that that stage kind of fits him. And as a consequence, that's where he could strike. Amaz is necessary for the consistency, I think. I think he needs that consistency in the stages. I think he needs consistent results among the entire Grand Tour. Well, obviously, to get a good GC, you need to do that. But I think that he especially drives on that. He's had two top fives last year in a Grand Tours. I think this parkour does fit him. His time trial is not always amazing. And that's where it's kind of dangerous. But I still think that in the climbing, he can sustain a potential top five in GC. But can they win the Tour de France? No. No, I think Lopez is their most realistic chance to win if he does sort of Mont Blanc 2 watts on multiple. Yeah, yeah. The, the Mont Blanc 2 challenge that he dominated, he did a really high-level performance there. If he does that on multiple climbs, called a Portea, I wrote him down for there too. But yeah, his TT, he has done good rolling TTs before at Algarve or Al- uh, I think so it's who which version of Lopez we're going to get I mean they've really got the team to support him I obviously think Mars cannot win Mars should be 100% domestique for Lopez but then look at the Dauphiné Lopez he tried to attack Thomas got brought back and then that was pretty much it for him he couldn't really make a difference on that climb Haig was better than him so yeah Movistar I think Valverde it actually really suits him this parkour like he got rolling TTs punchy opening stages do you think Valverde has a chance to win on Murder Britannia, Benji, third in flesh? No, I think there's better competition out there. I think he can get a good result there, yes. I think he can get a good result on Tinia if that goes to the uh, GC riders because the last kilometer on that climb is relatively yeah. flat. Yeah, 2%. So that works out for him, but there's better riders there, I think. And every time he's going to most likely end up having to ride against a better rider in that sprint. And I think Pogacar can beat him in sprints these days. I think Roglic could also do so. And if you look at Mürbritannia, Alaphilippe, I think Van der Poel and Mürbritannia will survive that section. Um, I think that Cobrelli might be possibly still in that group at that point. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't see Valverde winning winning a stage unless it's from the breakaway, which I don't see happening because... Valverde should definitely work for Mazan Lopez or he should not be here. No offense. Oh, I think he should go for himself in the first stage on stage one <laughs> and two, to be honest. I think. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Stage one and two, sure. They can play multiple threats, I guess. De Kerner, Quickstep, it's a weird team. Alaphilippe, Asker and Ballerini, Cataneo, Cavendish, De Klerk, David and Merku. They announced the Cavendish uh, yesterday as we're recording. We made a video solely on that instead of Sam Bennett. We won't really touch on that too much again in terms of GC, but Alaphilippe, I think, is going for GC the same way he went for GC in 2019. The opening seven stages suit him perfectly. Punchy first two stages, rolling time trial in stage five, and then descent finish on stage eight. And then he's going to hope before the first rest day in t- uh, on stage nine in Tinia that they do a slow pace on that final climb. He showed good climbing legs at Provence where Bernal really struggled to drop him up the uh, sort of first nine Ks of Ventoux de Chalet-Renard. At, at Terreno, yeah. we saw that when he goes for stages, he then maybe does suffer in the climbs later. He dropped badly on Pratititivo, which isn't that long to be honest yeah. uh so what do you think benji is he just gonna try try and get into yellow and then try and hel- hold it for as long as possible i think he can top six ish this tour and agree that's because i think he's got a good time trial and it's not a decent time trial it's a good one he yeah, can solid. get solid results in these times he can get close and above certain riders he can beat a mouse a lopez uh for sure. well, obviously a quintana and so forth that's that seems pretty obvious to me and Woods. as a consequence yeah indeed he could even beat bilbao potentially in those time trials that's going to be a closer one i'd say but 
He'll beat Bilbao Bell Bell easily. Easily yeah. will beat Bilbao. Bell Bell. Stage seven. Perfect for him. He needs to try and strike there. The Koenig has a team to try and strike there. They should try and strike there. They can try and potentially hit Ineos there because Ineos is kind of their, their competitor for space three, four, and five in GC. Yep. <laughs> um, and Why is this team so good on that terrain? Like, Which riders would you expect to be able to drive it on a 2K 5% climb? Well, David Ends is one of the riders that's definitely going to help him like set things up. I think an Osgrain in that team is also very, very, very strong for the initial aspect. Cavendish most likely uh, won't be the rider that's doing it. <laughs> but if we're looking at the rest of the Koenig, then a Cataneo yeah. can set things up. He's got that engine on the... Uh, on the more steady gradients and as a consequence he can get out of leap towards those steeper peaks where he can move Merku won't play a role there the cleric will be the rider that keeps it under control in that stage seven in the first half of the race by pedaling at the same watts for the entire race because he's stuck on those watts for his entire life so sad for the man <laughs> and ballerini Weird. i think that we include i don't know what to what to expect for Bal- from Ballerini? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Provence form, great, but yeah. I don't, yeah, I feel like if you really want to have a full tilt for Alaphilippe, it would have been better to have someone like Knox Almeida, obviously, would have been perfect yeah. for this Tour de France. I think Ballerini, I mean, I hope maybe they want him to also be in the lead out train for Cavendish, but yeah, Cataneo, third on the stage eight of Tour de Suisse, over a 12k percent climb, then a descent. Catanero, he's going to be good, big help for Alaphilippe, but it's a little bit light on the GC help for him. I think he's not really a GC threat, to be honest. Uh, when you look at stages 17 and 18, other outsiders include Kelderman for Bora Hansgrohe and Haig on Bahrain Victorious. I think someone like Haig has more of a chance because he's, he's, real, he's going to lose time in the TT, Haig, mm-hmm. to the big guys. But if he has Morich... Hala turns Bilbao in Walpole's in a satellite, you know, up in a break, and he gets in a big move like Lander or Quintana for Movistar back in, what was it, Benji, 2019 Tour de France. I think he can yeah. leap up a lot of places. If he's, say he's at like oh, four minutes and on Roglic and Pagac- or Pagaccia, they won't really care. They won't chase him too much, and he can gain some time back that way. I, I don't see Kel. I mean, Kelman's squad is okay, but, yeah, what, what do you – where do you see Haig? I mean, you know, he's going for GC, obviously, but some of these stages are perfect for him too if he had lost time. Yeah, certainly. I think that the time trial is indeed his weakest aspect, but I uh, I think it's going to be hard for a top five in this Tour de France for Haig. I feel like there's better riders out there and the team might indeed have a holler and so forth, but a holler and a, a ride, those are the riders I expect to ride for Colbrelli most of the time. Yeah. And about pools, I feel like... He's rather disappointed in Tour de Suisse because I thought Wout years ago would be able to like do really well on a parkour like this because he had the time trial, he had the climbing, but he hasn't found that form. What if Pools ends up finding that form? Because he was also always pretty quick to turn around form in the past. So what if he finds that form and becomes a very good teammate for Haig? Then that could play a, a really big role. Mohoric will play a golden role for the lad. And I think that Bilbao is a better GC rider for Bahrain here than Haig. Sorry. Oh, I just did the Giro d'Italia. Haig at the Dauphiné was yeah, attacking, attacking at the end of Col de Juplan. I don't see it for... I think Bilbao's TT is way overrated. Way, way okay. overrated. It got worse. You're right. It's, I think, what, the Stage 1 Turin TT, he came 36th, shipping a lot of time. I was surprised yep. by that. And yeah, 
I think Bilbao's been thrown in for Padun to basically help on GC, is what I think. Because kind of what he did for Lander last year. What about Kelderman, Benji? They've thrown Buchmann in after his zero crash. He's going to have Ida Schelling wasting some stage opportunities for him. Patrick Conrad and <laughs> Kelderman. I mean, that didn't work particularly well. <laughs> You're right. Dauphiné. Kelderman can top five probably if, if a lot of things go right for him, though. Yeah, the climbs do fit him. It's not very intense, steep gradients throughout the entire climbs. We don't have a Puymari finish, for example. And he's got that ability of time trawling like a madman. So I think he can get a rough top 10 in time trials, just around the 10th position somewhere every time, 10 to 15 position, and that will keep him close in GCN. That's what is the biggest weight on the GC this year, time trial. And as a consequence, I think that a top five is definitely possible. And I think that Kelderman has the ability of like being that rider that Zubeldias his way into the top five without too much attention going towards him and that gives him an opportunity on for example a climbing stage where the gc favorites are looking at each other to make a move and gain 30 seconds on a random stage Wait, just because Kelderman of that yeah attacking he's done it last year Chiro uh, Etna? Was it Etna or what was it? I can't, mate, I'll be very He's not going to win a stage, but... I'd be very surprised if Kelderman <laughs> does something like that. He, he basically just, yeah, anyway, maybe. <laughs> Speaking of TT and GC riders going for GC, I mean, Mike Wood's on Israel Start Nation. Uh, nah. It's, yeah, it's just the TT's not good. Roman D, Grant Thomas stopped trying in the last 10 minutes and still put like two minutes into him. But yep. they're going for GC. It's uh, it's a weird team. But anyway, that's our sort of GC. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. I've got a few more names. Uran. Martin, time trial terrible. Ron, I think that he could really surprise them. He, he can top 10 easy. I think he can top five this Tour de France. Yep. His time trial is good enough. His climbing is good enough. He's not going to be attacking too often because he won't get into a position like he was into the Swiss where he's forced to attack. But I think that his GC could go really well. His teammate Higita, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I hope he goes for stages because if Higita goes for stage, he can take two. Like, no joke. I think that's possible. I saw him and, yesterday in uh, yeah. in the EA and he wasn't wearing the Columbia National Champs kit. It looked weird. <laughs> it, was the, it was the first day he wasn't wearing it. So, oh, so sad. Yeah, I know. Well, now we won't confuse him with Caicedo anymore. <laughs> Godou, uh rides with only Madua really in a yeah. team that can't support him. So not exactly a team that supports him. They're all going for Demar, which I understand. But I think his time trial is his weakness. His time trials aren't too terrible. It's not like Guillaume Martin level, but they're not on the level to uh, perform really well here. I think that... He needs a bit of luck with certain attacks. I think he's a very offensive rider, which adds on to the entertainment value, but also can backfire a lot. So I hope he attacks on wise moments. And if that's the case, then it's good. Then Simon Yates, he wrote the Giro. Giro Tour double his heart. So I don't think GC is no, in the no. cards for him. And then Chavez. one name that is not mentioned. Well, Chavez, TT is horrible. So yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Um, I think he can win the stage though, but TT yeah, is too important. Alka what is he doing here? Is he going for stages or is he going for GC? Because this parkour would be amazing for a Molema if he goes for GC. While in the Giro, I would have wanted him to go for stage where he did, but he wasn't good enough. Oh, I just don't don't see it for at all. I just think the Trek team's kind of bad, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
that you Benji so deep in the weeds. I hadn't even turned my mind to Balcomola and GC. And finally, that's true. Degenerate. No, there's no one else, Benji. Who? Yeah, there is. There is. There is. <laughs> the transitioned rider of the century, new GC rider, Andre Greipel. What's your take? Oh, Greipel. Yeah, I mean, more likely probably to win stage seven than a flat sprint. But we'll we'll see how he goes. <laughs> Pierre Latour. Pierre Latour came second on Mur de Bretagne in 2016 or something, 2018. So I don't yeah. know what he's doing. Anyway, we're going to go stage by stage analysis. We'll have more now. We'll have more sort of what a team should do here and what a team should do there. But that was our more our GC overview. Yeah, Pogaccio, Roglic, you know what they'll do. Pogaccio, offensive, Roglic, bonifications and TT. And Ineos have a new attack, I think, as much as possible with that multi-leader threat. They're the three teams. Let us know if we're really missing out on someone. Alexei Lutschenko, for example, bring that to open A form. <laughs> yeah, Chris Froome. Perhaps just got to get that left-right imbalance ready, and then you're yeah, you're going to win 2022. That's what Sylvan Adams said. Anyway, stages by stages now. Stage one. Write this down in your little notebooks and a DS and a commentator. They're going to forget. I've got. I've done a spreadsheet up. There is no three-kilometer crash rule in stages one and two. They are not bunch sprint expected stages. Okay. That means if you crash in the first, in the last three Ks, you will not be given the same time as everyone in, the, in your group. That's really important for stage one. Why? Because it is likely to be raining for the first two stages. And more importantly, this is stage one of the Tour de France where everything is fucking crazy. Remember stage Nice <laughs> last year? Everyone is super nervous, although yeah. the riders couldn't really do much. Before the final climb of stage one, there is a, a right-hand bend two roundabouts, including a 90-degree right-hand roundabout, then a 90-degree left-hand turn before the climb. If you are a GC leader and you are not in the first 15 wheels going into the base of that climb, you're disrespecting the sponsors, your team, (laughs) dishonoring Henri de Grange, who built this great race. (laughs) You must be first 15 through those. And MVDP, I just know already, MVDP is going to be 50 wheels deep, like at the base of the Poggio. And when asked afterwards, he'll be like, my positioning was absolutely fantastic, (laughs) even though I got caught behind a crash and couldn't contest the stage. But I've I've sort of jumped the gun. It's 198Ks. It is a a Britannia classic. In, a, in the truest sense, not even light, constant rolling climbs, difficult to control. There's a, a 1K 9% climb where Cavendish will get dropped in the first 6DKs. And yeah, it's it's a really interesting finish. 3.2Ks, 5.3% the finish to Landon. Now the first sort of 1,200 meters are steeper and then it levels off. So the last K is about oh, 2% gradient. So if you want to drop MVDP Wout Van Aert type guys, if you're Philippe. You better do it in that first K because if you have them with you in the last 700 meters, it flattens off under 5% gradient sprint. We've seen it, Torino. It suits those two big boys and Sagan much more than Philippe. So my pick for the stage, which I've got a long way of saying it, is Matthew van der Poel. He'll come from 25th wheel and still win. Okay, I had on my list, Van der Poel is favorite for this, <laughs> but it's somewhat technical at 3k to go just before the foot of the climb. Positioning is key, and you know that his positioning might not be amazing at the start of the climb, so I'll choose a complete outsider, and I say Christophe Laporte. <laughs> That's a pretty good pick if you look at, for example, stage six of uh, Paris-Nice or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, he was second to Roglic. So, I mean, my view on the betting, the way it'll pan out for who will take the first yellow jersey. It'll be MVDP one up and art, favourites one, two, then Philippe closely behind. Then Roglic, I think, is also a good shout for this stage. Like, yeah. he can still win. Sagan? Sagan as well. I think Sagan Agrigento sort of stage in the Giro last year was very good behind Honoré Ulysses. I think, yeah, Sagan. Aramburu. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many guys that are punchy. <laughs> Do you think, Benji, is there a chance Quickstep drive it hard enough with Asgren, Ballerini, Cataneo, Javanens on the first K to drop NDDP? Nah, I don't I don't believe that's possible. I don't think that it's remotely possible to drop Vanderpool on this climb. I do think that there's a bit of a an intertwining there between Ala Philippe and potentially Barrel Ballerini because like with his current form, we don't say Ballerini for this stage. But if this was at the moment of Provence, he was one of the favorites for this stage. He beat Chicone. Like it changed so swiftly. Well, he beat, he beat you, can't you make no, it No, no, on, on like a so punch. It was like a, it was like a punchy finish. No, no, I'm saying it was good. Like he, it was everyone yeah. else there was a was a GC puncher, and he beat yeah. beat them. Yeah. So finally, I've yeah. got one more. What well, two more questions? First of all, what do you think about Colbrelli for this? Yeah, I think he should be probably fifth favorite as well. Uh, it's there's so many guys that can win if it's raining. If yeah. if MV, MVP might not get dropped on the climb, but if he's really deep, you want to keep the pace high. So he can't yeah. move up easily. You want to so that you know, make it difficult, like that Torino stage that Al Philippe won, where MVP finished fastest, but he's coming from so deep, it just yeah. he just couldn't win. That's the that's why Al Philippe and Quickstep should still drive it, and Ineos will be driving it so hard into the base of that climb. So will Quickstep. Do I trust Alperson to do it as well as them? No, uh, not a criticism. It's just Ineos Quickstep. They've been doing this for years, and. Yeah, Jumbo Visma better have Turnison driving it super hard into that base with Wout and Roglic one and two. What about Jumbo Visma, Benji? Because this is what we touched on the GC discussion. Who do you ride for? Do you attack with Wout early? Do you attack with Roglic early? Like, surely you've got to pick either the stage or or Roglic GC. Because I think Wout is more likely to win the stage, but he's going to take bonus from Roglic. Yeah, I agree. I think your strategy for going for Roglic was definitely a viable one, but I don't think they will do it. I think they will try and go for the stage with Fanat, and I think that they won't use the Roglic for that. It would be amazing if they used the combo, have Roglic lead out Fanat or the other way around somehow. That would be a hell amazing, but that's impossible here. That's not going to happen. And that's where Turnison comes in, like you said. And then the question is, can he handle that 14% section in the first part of the climb? Uh, I think we have our doubts with that. I think if it was Turnus in 2019, I'd say for sure. 2021, I'm not so sure about it. They need Hansing to do it. Do they need them to do it, though? Because if Alaphilippe is being set up there, because positioning is key, so the Koenig will be driving it at that point for Alaphilippe. If that is happening, then do we think that it's necessary for Vanard to have somebody or can he just follow wheels? Yeah, you're right. You basically, you, you basically just want to drop those two off at the base. And then say, follow wheels, keep, stay safe, see what the top boys. I think is what yeah. you should probably do. Uh, but on to, so my pick was MVP, Benji's was, what was it? Michael Matthews? Laporte. Okay, Laporte. Is Matthews Laporte. even here? Pardon? Is Matthews even here? Yeah, pretty sure. I'm he's, not sure about it. He is. He's on start list. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he should be a big shout for this stage. Anyway, stage two. It, we've written it, by the way, we've written down our picks for each stage, but we're still taking so long. Stage two, 183Ks, the Murder Britannia stage. Again, no two, no sprint stages in the first two stages. Sacrilege, up and down all day. They do two ascents to the Murder Britannia. The first one, there's bonus seconds, 3-2-1 available with 168Ks done. They didn't do another lap. And then they have the finish on the Murder Britannia with 183Ks done. 2Ks, 7%. Generally, it's been GC guys and Flesh Wallon style winners like Dan Martin winning, or I think it was Vierdemorge who won before then, and Dan yeah. Martin came second. Dan Martin's always done well on Murder Britannia. And you can lose a bit of time here, but uh, my pick was Roglic for this stage. I think it suits him perfectly. I think Alaphilippe will lead him out. And I think... 
MVDP, if he wants to win, should attack uh, on the second climb after the murder of Britannia with, with about 12 k's to go if it's raining and uh, yeah, attack on that descent like in Swiss, although it's harder in the sort of tour to be doing things like that. But this is MVDP we're talking about. I think I don't think MVDP can win on Britannia. Too hard. I think that there are sprints towards both of those Muda Britannias in positioning as well again. I think that it's less technical just before the Muda Britannia, so that is more well, more difficult to put Van der Poel in a horrible position just before it. But there's so many people that could do well this day. Like Van der Poel, I still think that he's viable enough for this finish. I think that every single time we've had this Muda Britannia finish, the second group has, for example, Sagan was able to do it. Then again, at his high days, he could climb very well. But Van der Poel at his current days can also climb very well. So I think Van der Poel, Van Aert, Roglic, Alaphilippe, Pogacar, Hirschi, Colbrelli, Aramburu, Sagan, Laporte, Kosnefa, those are the names I'm shouting. I think Kosnefa would be a nice outsider for this stage because Definitely. he could do it the way that Villamos did with that early move and then the others will be looking at each other a tiny bit. The question is, does anybody else have someone to try and close it down at that point? And that's where it might become a, a factor of will Hirschi try and start racing for Pogacar there, try and close down Kosnefa, or will he be able, will he actually actively choose not to do so because Roglic could take a bonus second more? Because on an uphill sprint, I'd say that Roglic is better than Pogacar than on a flat sprint. But I think that I'll still go for Vanderpool. I think that he'll just be good enough. Yep, I think it's, as Benji said, a big chance for riders like Martin again, Kosnefa, Pierre Latour. If they attack... The other GC contenders will not be concerned about them particularly gaining time. So it's, they should attack early. Big opportunity for them on Murder Britannia. But Alaphilippe, it depends who will go into yellow, Benji. It's who, yep. you know, who does well. And again, this is why I'm talking about Roglic bonus seconds. If you don't get them on stage one, then you've got the adding up on stage two. It'll be interesting to see who's in yellow. I think if MBDP wins stage one, he will be able to stay in yellow still after stage two. I don't think he can win, but I don't think he's going to get, you know, dropped it particularly badly either stage three sprint stage first sprint stage 181ks for the sprint stages i'm going to keep it pretty simple and just say caleb ewan for every single one because i think it's the best <laughs> sprinter well, who, let's see who the sprinters here benji we've disrespected the sprinters i've got a whole list okay for not ewan cavendish Philipson. but we don't know that <laughs> he said he's not yeah, he said a lot of things the last <laughs> month. He said he wasn't in good form and then he won the Belgian Championship. So I'm not believing that completely. Merlier, Philipson, Peterson, Greipel, Bowl. I think that for this first one, we've got a very technical final. Last three kilometers in that three to two kilometer section, we have a right 90 degree bend and an imminent 90 degree bend just after that. It's basically a hairpin, but with a river in between. So it's not that steep. And then once again, with a good kilometer and a half, we've got another left-hand corner very steep i think over 90 degrees to the left but then it's pretty straight to the line a bit of a chicane in the last section so it looks like they waited especially for the last portion to uh put that chicane in a horrible position because why the hell not but then again i think that that also has a roundabout with 700 meters to go it's technical so as a consequence i'm looking for riders with more acceleration and a better lead out and i think that alpsen has a good lead out I think Vanderpool will not be part of that lead out if they play it cleverly because he shouldn't. Vanderpool isn't is too surgy to put in a lead out and tries too much to cut corners through riders and so forth and that doesn't work. And therefore I'm gonna go still for Merlier for this stage because the early chances are gonna be better for him knowing that he uh gassed out after a week in the Giro. Okay. I'm going, yep, Caleb Ewan for this stage. Stage four is another sprint stage. It's 
152Ks, even more obvious sprinters. The intermediates, yeah. by the way, they're after short climbs. There should be no problem for the sprinters to be contesting those intermediates, although a break will probably take them. Finishing in Forger, Forger, it's, uh, I'm going with Caleb Ewan again. It's, again, a few bands, slightly technical, but I guess sprinting, I view, is very random. You make one mistake, you lose. And it's, I think Ewan's going to pick up a couple. I think is going to win one. I think other, you know, other sprinters like Bowl or someone like that will win one. And Damar, we haven't mentioned Damar, Benji, but I, I don't know which ones exactly because I don't know which day they'll make a mistake, which day they'll do it differently. So, yeah, I think Ewan... Uh, for this stage as well i think that for this one i've got case ball i'm not actively trying to be against you and i've got some ewans in the later portions in the race this is not that technical this race but i think that also supports the fact that the sunweb dsm train i'm still calling them sunweb the dsm train won't be pushed behind so much so he's unlikely to finish 35th in the sprint so i'm guessing that this could be a, the one where bull strikes and has that one time one trick pony event in this Tour de France. Yeah, he won that uh, Paranese stage. It was kind of a hairpin there with good DSM lead out. Stage five is the first time trial, 27 kilometers long from Changer to Laval. It is not flat. I know you might look at it and say, oh, there's no extended climbs. There's 305 meters of elevation gain in uh, 27 kilometers. That's not flat. So it's a little bit technical as well. There's plenty of 90 degree turns in it. Um, I'm going with it's really between who are the best TT riders. It's Kung and Wal Art, right, on paper, and then sort of the GC men afterwards. I actually had another rider. I had Bissiger written down for this one. Ooh. And the danger with Bissiger is that I don't know how good he fares on it's very long, long TTs. Yeah, 27.2 is long. I've checked his history. He's got a few where he actually got a good results. He just hasn't ridden much in the longer ones. So I'm still going to go Bissiger, but... I do believe that Vanad is going to be close. I do believe that King is definitely going to be close the way he's been riding so far in this uh, this season. And then McNulty, Bjerg, Asgren, Kralnderson, Cataneo, those are the outsiders for this one, I think. Who do I write down? See, I'd, Juan Vanad and Kung, it's hard to split them. If Juan Vanad's on peak, peak form, I think he wins, but I, I really like Kung's consistency as well. Uh, I think I'm going with... It depends. Like, for example, if the betting had Kung at $7 and Juan Vanad at 2 I'd bet on Kung any day of the week, but I have to pick a rider, so I'm going with Kung, but I think Juan Vanad goes into the yellow so, jet. I mean, staying neutral. Switzerland. Yeah, true. Yeah, both go Bisco. <laughs> Bisco should do, should do relatively well, but Kung beat him in that flat yep. TT 10K, but... Wal van Aert, I still think, will do well and take the yellow jersey. Do you think that's... Who, who's taking yellow after the TT, Benji? Van Aert. I think that's the most likely thing to happen. I think when it comes to the GC riders next to that... Yeah, the ones order, that... order them. Order, order the GC men. Ooh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that um, when it comes to the order, I'm going to put Pogacar, Thomas... Roglic in this time trial and then we look at the Carapaz after that and no, then port, the port. losers of the day if you oh, yeah, port, disrespecting port, port. Damn it. I'm going to oh. fly to fucking Brussels get a train <laughs> and we're going to have a problem you're putting Carapaz okay. before Port Jesus yeah 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 sorry 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 I think Port above Carapaz of course under mm, under gonna Roglic be, gonna near to Roglic ah, I don't believe that Thomas will be beaten by Port on this one on the final one 
Sure, we'll talk then. But losers <laughs> on the day. Gil Martin, Woods, Chavez, Godu, Quintana, Lopez, Miles, Bookman, those are going to lose time. And this is where their uh, weakness lines. Yeah, I agree. I think Roglic will be the best, will beat Pagancha and Thomas, but I think it'll be close between them all. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see Thomas had pacing issues. His TT has been average this year. Good in his Romandy TT was the best one. And he, he slowed up at the end, so it kind of covers up how good it was. But Catalonia, not great. Dauphiné, very bad, bad pacing. I think Roglic is going to smash it, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I think he'll be the best of the GC contenders. And uh, he'll be really close to Wampanoag, etc. Stage six with Wampanoag in the yellow jersey, 160k. Sprint stage again, intermediate sprint, not a problem for anyone really. And uh, well, let's take this opportunity, Ben, to talk about the intermediate sprints. Who do you think is going for green? Because you're going to have to jump out of the peloton, go for that sprint. Colbrelli, Sagan, who else? I think... Van Aert? I, I still believe in Van Aert doing it, but... Mm. I think it's harder for him than yeah. we are anticipating. Cav. You think Vanderpool could go for it? Yeah, I want I want to say Cav, but <laughs> it's it's likely not going to happen. I think that this is the only Tour de France in the last few years where a Caleb Ewan could become close to it yeah. because of the fact that there's so many flat stages with full points at the end. So exactly. Yeah. We'll talk about more of the mechanics of that, but you look at the placement of these intermediate sprints, you know, 60Ks from the finish, yeah. Ewan's just got to go come third and then, you know, because if Ewan comes third in the IS against Cold Brilliance again, well, he's going to make more than more than that back up in the finish. But yeah, yeah this sprint I'm going with, I should look at the 10. I'm going with Ewan again, Benji. So I've written down. I'm not. I'm not. Shuttle, who was the uh, place where Cavendish got his first of 30 victory? So poetry dictates that this is a Dubsky <laughs> for the Manx missile. My head says Ewan, but my heart says Cavendish for this one with a straight final kilometer. Yeah, I think uh, Cav's winning a stage. I've, I've picked a stage for Cav. I just won't tell you which one yet. Champs-Élysées. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's him versus Greipel. <laughs> Has to be. They all should let him go for it. Okay, this, this yeah. is one of the most tricky, interesting, and difficult stages in the Tour de France. Stage seven, two hundred and forty-eight kilometers long, three thousand meters of climbing. The majority of which is in the last eighty kilometers, and none of the climbs are really over five percent gradient or over five and a half percent. The longest ones are the uh, Côte de la Croix de la Libération, which is an up and down climb. It's actually got some steeper sections in there. It's got a little descent in it, as well as the uh, Signal Duchamp. So the ASO maps they've sent me, they, they juice up the gradients a little bit, but Uchon has some <laughs> steep pinches in there. There's an 11%. I think it, the LFR profile says 1.6K at 11.3% in there. Uh, so... It looks like a breakaway stage. I, I'm prepared to be disappointed where the GC men just let the break win because there's nothing in there for them. But this is a big, big opportunity for Alaphilippe to put Ineos under pressure on Signal Duchamp as well as Wafanat, MVDP and, and Rolish to have a crack as well. Uh, and Mike Woods, you know, for example, if Mike Woods has lost a lot of time on GC, this is a big stage win opportunity for him if he attacks on the last little little climb. I'll go with who I've written down, which is uh, Colbrelli slash MDDP. I actually uh, forgot to write down a winner for this stage. I wrote that Alaphilippe and Vanderpool should attack on that Signal Duchamp. The last portion of that is indeed very steep. That is the place to do it. But I think that a team like Ineos would probably be happy for a breakaway to still be alive with those bonus gains being on offer because that's against them. They are less likely to take that. So if I have to like send out uh, a crazy name right now to win this stage, I'm going to go for uh, Van der Poel again, two stage wins. If the break wins, I'd be expecting riders like Magnus Court, Aaron Baru, Freyle, 
those sort of riders uh, from the break. You need it still need a bit of punch. I think there's too many teams with like a potential stage win here from the GC I'm people. So prepared to be disappointed, Benji. I will control. I know. Don't say it. Don't say it. But like exactly <laughs> for ex- this is a great opportunity to put Ineos under pressure as well as Pagacha because you can play. Okay, you may disagree that Wafanart can really do anything on longer climbs. He is in the form to do something, try something here. So I think this is the place to try and put Pagacha under pressure. Reminds me of Basque Country. How well can he or she pull back a break or riders going up the road? I don't have much faith in that personally. Uh, but yeah, random riders from a break. Mark Soler as well would love to see it in the wet. Perfect for him. Uh, but it's a long stage. Very, very long. We can't wait to watch it. Stage eight, the first big mountain stage. 150K is finishing in Le Grand Bonon. Descent finish, it opens up with a 5k, 6.6% climb. Cav will be worried about OTL this stage, but TDF ones are pretty generous. You'll see the intermediate sprint. If you're Sagan, Benji, this is where Sagan and Colbrelli should be really trying to get max sprint points here uh, ahead of Ewan and Co. This is an opportunity after a climb there. But the the rest of the stage, Cote uh, de Mont Saxoneur, 6.1Ks, 8.1%. Col de la Rome, 8.8Ks, 9%. Then a very short descent, only about 5Ks before the Col de la Colombière, 7.5Ks, 8.4%. Bonus gate on top, descent to the finish, hard stage. Really, really hard, I think. I think so as well. I think that this is likely to be a breakaway stage in my eyes because of the initial part initial uh, option to form a large breakaway at the start i would not know which team would be uh interested in controlling this kind of stage so early ineos uh yumbo ue won't do it we know that so we're looking at those two and i don't think ue uh, ineos i don't think yumbo and ineos no way shouldn't. ineos should because yeah. there's a scent finish exactly and as a consequence the break is what i look at descent finishes in the break then martin we can scratch him that's not gonna happen um Oops. so astana versus ef is what i've got Lutsenko, Izagire, Freyla, Aramburu might be a bit too full, much for this one. I think sang. there's better options in the team. Full saying, uh, please, yeah. please lose time on GC. He's yeah, great. but I'm looking at other Danes. Falcon and Gorch. I truly believe in Mikkel no, Valgren for this stage. You need it. This Swiss was great. This a hard couple of climbs put straight together. I think you've got to be a, a really, really top climber, surely, to win this stage. Like Quintana could win this if he goes in the break, if he has you know that one random day of the year. Buchwin apparent, <laughs> apparently is going for stages, so I think you've got to be a, a proper climber. The, the interesting question, Benji, will be who will have lost time? Is this going to be the non-Spitera stage where there's a lot of not real GC contenders who are too close on GC no. who aren't able to get into this break and someone who's not quite as good wins the stage. Uh, Yoni Zagire, he yeah, He's also on my list, but he needs rain, doesn't he? Does. Who, who have you picked? <laughs> I, I've forgotten who I picked. <laughs> yeah, for me it was Team Astana or EF, so I'm saying Lutsenko, Zagiri, Freyla, Valgren, Court, and I had bolded out Valgren as my pick, but I'm starting to doubt it, and I'm starting to move towards a Freyla for this one, actually. I've gone maybe Aurelien Perepantra for a, a French hope, Ben O'Connor. I actually, I'm going with Ben O'Connor. Uh, oh, he's going to go for GC, though, for God's sake. That's the problem. Ben O'Connor <laughs> could win this stage. Great climber, great descender, good on attacking. Oh. He could definitely win this. So, yeah, Lushenko, if the GC group wins, I think it's going to be uh, Roglic, actually. Roglic will win a flat sprint if it's the GC group. But yeah, what about time? Do you think Alaphilippe is going to lose all GC hope on this stage or later? Alaphilippe already losing GC hope here or... Yeah, do you think on Col de Rome he gets dropped or base of Colombia? I don't think he loses GC hope. 
the entirety of the Tour de France, I think he can top five or get close to top five. And I think that this should not be an issue for him. Definitely with the descent finishes as well, he can even come back if he loses a minute on the climb. Stage 9, 144Ks from Clues to Tinia. You see again, Sagan must try and take green jersey points with Colbrelli. At the end of this, <laughs> yeah. a 2.6K, 9% climb before the intermediate sprint. They then have the Col de Sez, 9K, 6% descent. Col de, Col de Pre, which if it's the same one, they just had the Dauphiné. No one really had any issues. 12.5Ks, yeah. 8%. They do it slow, be a big group, straight into False Plateau, then Cornet de Rosalon, 6K, 7% descent. Valley of about 12Ks that before the long climb to Tinia, 21Ks, 5.6%. The finish of it, the last 2Ks, is not steep at all. This is going to be won by Primoz Roglic in standard Yumba Visma train lead-out fashion at the end. I had Pog versus Rog and I said Rog, so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you on that one. I think that Tinia is not necessarily a dangerous climb. I think the second part of Tinia that we're doing here, because sometimes it does finish halfway on that, plateau section in the middle of this climb now so it goes further than that it has that steep section so that removes people like of an art from the question because if it was halfway to climb and those early gradients are not that steep then i do believe he can do a, a dauphine stage one but the climb is double as hard in that second part and as a consequence it's roglic for me I see a big opportunity for Ineos to try something on this stage. You pace extremely hard on the Col du Pre mm-hmm. with your team. You try and drop, and then you have uh, in the breakaway, hopefully in the valley, because it's a decent valley before Tinia. You you try and get uh, some satellite riders in that breakaway, and you attack with Carapaz on Rosala and try and then meet up on the descent, put Pogacar and the uh, Roglic under pressure to make difficult decisions. I see an opportunity there because it's not straight into the next climb, but... Who knows? I'm not sure their team is actually strong enough to really shred the Col du Pre unless they use someone like Port. So that's the problem for them. But yep, Roglic there. And I think he's in the yellow jersey by this point. Next stage, <laughs> 191.5K, stage 10. This is after the first rest day. It's It, it looks like, oh, a break could win. I still, It's not hard enough. The last climb, 5K is 4%. God, Ewan would have to have bad legs to not get over that climb. It crests 36K from the finish. I see this as sprint again, Benji, but I'm going with uh, I'm going with I don't know. Mer- I, actually, you go, I've, I've changed my mind though. Okay, um, I'm saying Caleb Ewan. I think that it's a very odd finish because it's a short sprint just after a final corner with a good 190 meters to go, with like a roundabout, which surprises me because like that's just asking for trouble, and you need someone with good acceleration and positioning. Positioning is the one where Lotto sometimes messes up, but I think they're going to get it right this time around. That's a pure guess. Acceleration-wise, Ewan is perfect, so Ewan can accelerate from that corner very fast compared to some other sprinters, compared to a Peterson, for example, and therefore Ewan is my pick for this one. Yeah, Pedersen, someone I, I kind of like a little bit as well uh, for this stage. I think it's not hard enough for Colbrelli, and yeah. I think Sagan will just be kind of third, fourth. But this is maybe an opportunity for for Bora if they really want to go crazy on that climb and try something, but it'd be difficult, I think, to really drop. I think Nizzolo, I wish Nizzolo was here because I would have kind of liked him for this stage, to be honest. Next stage, 200Ks. Stage 11, double Von two-day, descent finish, intermediate sprint again. It's before any of the major climbing, but there's a 2K 6% climb. Maybe you see Sagan and Bora, they should try something there. So we might see an interesting battle. 
won't drop cold brelly. They do the cold de la Liguerre. 9.2k, 6.6%, not much descending. Mont Ventoux, first side, not steep, 22k is 5%. The last like 4k is a bit of 8%. And then descent, about a 12k, 15k valley before the other side of Mont Ventoux. This is the hard side, 16k is 8.5%. Bonus seconds on top, double KOM points at the top of this as well. I think this is... uh, going to be GC Benji because the break might struggle to form before that first climb so I still think it's going to be GC but I'm going with uh Jakob nah I'm, I've changed my mind again you're gonna have to go <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm flip-flopping okay when it comes to the stage I I'm leaning more towards breakaway than GC I feel like it's about a 51 to 49 percent for me this stage and therefore I'm leaning towards break and I think about Inizigiria for the stage being the perfect one. That descent is perfect for him. The climb, he's good enough to climb on that Baco. So I think that fits him perfectly. That is the head pick. And then I've got a completely biased heart pick and that's Vincenzo Nibali because it ends in a descent. <laughs> so I have to say it. I'm legally bound to my, uh, to my uh, fan card for uh, Vincenzo Nibali. My shark posters are up, so I'm waiting. I'm going with Simon Yates uh, or Esteban Chavez, I think, from a break as well. But GC-wise, I mean, Simon Yates, you you saw 2019 TDF lethal if he does get in breaks and he's in decent condition. But GC-wise, Benji, how do you you play this if you're Ineos, Jumbo, Visma, etc.? Well, it just depends on their relative positions, I think. Say, assuming I'm correct, Benji and Robert is ahead on GC, is this the place on the second ascent of Vontu where Pogaccia tries to make a difference? But he has to. I think that this is a place where he has to make that difference. I think he's got limited options to make differences in climbs, and this is a long climb to do so. When it comes to descending, I think that Pogacar is a good descender. Hudoglic is pretty good as well, so those are not the ones I'm too scared about. But that's where they could make a difference compared to an Ineos, where Orden Thomas might not be as amazing at those descending. They're not great descenders, let's be real. And that's where they could be put under pressure. And depending where they are in GC, some other people could come into play as well. Let's see Philippe has had a great tour at this point and is in the GC group topping Morvan too. Then he puts pressure on Port. He has to. Because that descent is where he can do it. Will he get to the top with Port? Most likely not. But that's just in case that that happens. I do want to have that on my cards. You think that a descent finish like this would be an option for a Mohoric to be in the breakaway or will he be to a... Too much working for a, a Hague here. I think that uh, depends. I mean, this is an opportunity for Hague to attack. You're right, Benji, because Hague descending looked really good uh, at Criterium de Dauphine. He got in that group with Lutschenko and Yon Izagire, no trouble at all, and they were flying. So, yeah, this is an opportunity to try and gain some time back. And it's uh, there's no flat. It's straight descent finish into the into uh, Malocene. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It'll, a lot will depend on the relative positions on GC regarding who will have to attack. For example, if Roglic is 30 seconds back and he's feeling good, Jumbo Visma have to light this up and try and gain some time, get the three bonus seconds, get the 10 bonus seconds at the finish, etc. Roglic won that descent finish in stage, or was it 19, Benji, or 18 of 20, 2018 Tour de France? So it's an opportunity there for him. But I do. Yeah, it's who wants to control this stage. So breakaway, as Benji said, might have a pretty good chance. Depends how hard they pace in that valley before the second ascent. And there's no Rowan Dennis to do it. Maybe Castro can. Next stage, 161Ks, (laughs) stage 12. It's the first stage I'm thinking misc breakaway because 15Ks from the finish, there's a 4K, 3% climb. It's kind of rolly all day. 
They just had double Monbon two the day before. I'm thinking a breakaway can win, and I'm going with uh, Soren Kranderson. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that every single flat stage in this race is going to be a sprint stage because there's too many sprinter teams here with a potential option to do so and i've got caleb ewan to do so if it does come out to be a breakaway stage like you say it wouldn't surprise me if it's someone like an osgrain a similar rider type as sure. certain crown medicine so i think we're thinking about the similar rider types if kavanyas here that's a name i'd put up as well but he's not so if the break wins i'm indeed thinking about such rider but i still think it's going to be a sprint caleb ewan thomas the hand will not allow people to ride away like that and the cleric will just be at the head of the peloton pedaling at the uh, same watts <laughs> yeah mate for cat well cavendish might have trouble on that climb so again there's a good option either from the break or yeah winning this stage as well or Pedersen. but yeah i'm trying to give a, the break a little bit of a bone but benji's probably right depends how they what their appetite for it is next stage i think is much more likely to be a sprint 220 k's yeah. finishing in carcassonne standard transition stage no climbs of any note really they look nasty but they're not because the <laughs> where the wax profile looks so i'm going with yeah ewan molier type guys for this again i'm going with caleb ewan as well simple as that stage 14 this is another interesting stage like stage 784 k's from carcassonne to Killa. it's got a difficult climb the col de montsegur 4.3 k's at 8.1 percent we're getting to the pyrenees now and then there's lots of other climbs, sort of 7Ks, 6%, 3Ks, 8%. And then the last climb, cresting with 16, 17Ks to go, is the Col de Saint-Louis, 4.6Ks, 7%. It's got a section of 3Ks at 9%. Obviously, 2020 Mark she wins this stage from the break, but I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a rider like that. This year, I think it's too much climbing for Cosnefroy. What about Cole Brelli from the group, Benji? From the group or, f- oh, the Peloton group, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that the problem is that they've still got Haig and if he's still good in GC, then they won't likely risk it to put everybody on the line to try and keep it in their control. So I think that's where the risk lies. I don't think that Bora will try and... Will, will I think Bora, that Sagan? Do you think it's too hard for Sagan? Uh, I don't think it's too hard for Sagan, but I'm questioning whether teams with a GC rider are going to be willing to step up. Kelderman, Haig. So that's where the weakness lies for the strategy for me. And that's why I think that it might not go that way. But if it comes down to a sprint, yes, Colbrelli and Sagan are likely the ones that are still there and likely the ones that are sprinting for the victory. But I just don't see it. I think that's breakaway transitioning stage. There's not too many. So they're going to have a lot of riders trying to go in the breakaway on this stage. Edis Helling, Aramburu, Loic Fliegen, Van Avermaet. Those are the kind of riders I've written down for this. And my favorite is, despite the hard saying at Amburu, it's Edith Kelling. I'm going with Magnus Court. I think yeah. he could oh. do pretty well on this stage as well. I think he's a Good little one. bit quicker than Aaron. Falgren as well. Astana got multiple cards to play, though. They can play Freyla on the climb. They, they, they can really try something here, Astana. This should be a stage for them. GC-wise, this is also an opportunity for Alaphilippe to try and gain back some time if he's still going for GC. Boy, really, Roglic or Pagacha and Mike Woods as well. These guys are super punchy. You're looking at a 4.6k, 7% steep section climb with bonus seconds at the top. Again, try and form it. Maybe they can. Do you think you, a Col de Marie Blanc situation could happen on this stage, Benji? It's harder than it looks. Do you think there could actually be GC splits? Because I would. If Thomas is still there on GC, I would try and pressure him on this climb, use their acceleration superior punch, and then make, you know, they got the descent to work together. I agree, but there's a complete 
reliance for that to happen based on what's happening in GC, obviously, because if Alaphilippe's still in the running, then this is the kind of stage where he can make a difference and where he can make a move. So that could come into play. Another question, though. Do you think that Vanderpool will still be in the Tour de France here? Or do you think that he's going to jump out for uh, Olympics? I've got no idea. I hope he stays in for my content's sake. But yeah, (laughs) we've not really been mentioning him too much, mainly because we haven't had too many mixed stages like this. We've had a pure sprint and then uh, GC days. So yeah, um, but even this stage may be a little bit difficult for him as well depending on how he wants to go on the climb. Stage 15 before the second rest day, he finishes in Andorra, La Vella. From Serret, yeah, from Serret to Andorra, La Vella. It's pretty much got the IS again before the main climb, and it's gradual climbs. This is why I was surprised Ineos didn't bring Dennis. I mean, the, the climb to the Henri de Grange point in Andorra this year on the Port de l'Anvillera, it's a big, climb, a big road, good surface, smooth gradients. It's the main entry from the highway uh, from France into Andorra. And, you know, 10Ks, 11Ks, 6%, that's not going to keep people up at night about Miguel Angel Lopez attacking. I mean, you'd have to, he'd have to have an incredible team yeah. driving it. For There's a climb before 6Ks, 5%. I just don't see attacks being possible there despite, you know, it being the highest point of the race, 2,400 metres still. It's a long way to go to the finish. I just see it as a big group still there. Then there's a long descent, as I said, into they go past uh, Canelo, then on camp they go up to Col de Bechalis, six point six k's eight percent. Now this is hard. There's a two point three k section at ten point six percent. There's steep sections. It's narrow uh, in points. The hairpins are steep. Then it descent to the finish. That's where Carapaz should attack from that group. Try and put the other riders under pressure. There's a bonus gate on the top, um, and then the run into town. But Again, I struggled with this stage to really think what will happen. It's so dependent on the relative positions on GC. Uh, but I went with Carapaz, gaining a little bit of time back. Do you believe that there's no chance for a breakaway? No, there's obviously, there's a chance for the breakaway in that maybe Benji's, yeah, maybe I'll discount the breakaway because I've just said all that logic about yeah. GC yeah. aren't that interested. Maybe the break gets a 10-minute gap. Um, but yeah, who's your pick? I'll think of a break guy. I want to say Magnus Court Nilsson because his climbing has been outstanding this year. But that last climb is scaring me because that's where, if he's still in the group with a Freiler, a Freiler would drop him. And I think I said Freiler earlier already. It's harsh to say Freiler again, but I think that this parkour fits for a Freiler. He's in great form, Spanish champion, and uh, better than Aramburu because he gave a lead out and dropped him. So, <laughs> so Freiler is my rider for this one, I think. I think Guillaume Martin can win this stage as well. Uh, he's got a big opportunity, and I think Philippe, if he's out of GC contention, yeah, I think it's, I think it could be breakaway as well. I, I think Nielsen Paulus has a big opportunity here. I don't see the likes of Schuckman, Kemner, Danny Martinez. The breaks last year in the tour on the climbing stages were obscenely strong, and yeah. Paulus was strong too, but those guys were better. I think this is a big opportunity for Paulus if he plays his cards right from a break uh, yep. as well. Yeah, it'd be maybe Simon Clark from Quebec and Assos could surprise as well. I mean, he but he's not shown too much recently. But Michael Goggle, no, not on this, not on this stage. <laughs> Second rest day in Andorra, then they leave from Padalacas in Andorra, 170 k's long, a kind of weird stage. Again, I would have said he or she 2020 locked. Yeah, uh, Calder Port, 11.4 k's, 5.5 percent. Then 20 k plus Valley, Calder. La Cour, 13K, 6.6%, Long Valley, 
uh, Col de Porte d'Aspe, 5.4K, 6.7%, then sort of run into the line with only just a couple of bumps, a 900 meters, 6.3% bump with 8Ks to go. I'd obviously love Mike Woods to be in the break here, but I don't see that for him. Yeah, who, who have you got, Benji? Break or GC? I'm, I'm thinking this is breakaway all day. I think so as well. Um, I think I will name exactly the names I've said already, which is kind of sad, but those are kind of all the riders I expect for these kind of stages. Anidhi Scaling and Aramburu might be a bit too hard for him on, is it? Nah. Nah, nah. Perhaps not. Aramburu, can, Aramburu Court Nielsen, this. Magnus Court Nielsen, Valgren, Freyla, Fliegen, uh, Fulsang, I don't know. Then, then I'm like, probably people will get over those climbs with him and will beat him on that last little uh, sprint or the hill before the end. I think that Fulsang might not be the best option for, uh, for this stage. But I think that for this stage, I'm going to say one of the Danish, Danish riders, Valgren or Gort. I think I'm going to say Valgren for this one. I'm going with Matej Mohoric. And if the group, oh, if, good it's, one. if it's the group, I'm going with Wild Van Aert. Jumbo Visma can win this stage with Wild Van Aert. It's perfect for him. Also, you know, he can put pressure on Sagan. Maybe Colderelli gets over it too. But it, Wild Van Aert can really win this stage. Uh, it just really depends on are they going to commit to that yep. before this next stage? I doubt it. Stage 17. This is what they'll be worrying about, Roglic, third wait. week. Oh, yeah. What if, because like the intermediate sprint in that stage is behind the first climb. What if a Cobrelli and Sagan go in the breakaway? Do you think that a Cobrelli is good enough to get over those climbs? Because he beat Cataneo on a climbing parkour for the Italian champs. Yeah, he can get over the climbs from a, in the break. In the break, he can. Yeah. There's under 7%. The last one's only 5Ks. He can in the break for sure. Uh, it's just whether he gets worked over in the valley afterwards, whether Morich has a move. I'm not sure. But yeah, this is a big, Thomas de Kent. As well, might be allowed to could be in the break here because it's not for Ewan. But Green Jersey mm-hmm. battle will be spicy here. They've got to take points back on Ewan, Sagan, and Colbrelli in this stage. Stage 17 to uh, this is the, we just had the Col de Porte, this is the Col de Porte, the proper one 180Ks. It will not be a break, I don't think. Uh, they got a long 110K valley beforehand. Will they be able to control it? They do the Col de Perisud, 13K, 7% descent. Col de Val Laurent Aze, 7Ks, 8.1%. Then the Col de Porte, which is pretty nasty, 16Ks, 8.3%. Goes up to like 2,200 meters altitude. I have Esteban Chavez winning this stage from the, oh, G- from, the yeah. G- from the GC group. He's like, <laughs> he'll be like 10 minutes behind, 15 behind yeah. on GC. But I think attacks from the GC group. Lopez as well, I liked for the stage. Uh, but I think Roglic will gain time. Okay, explain. Oh, because he's, I just think he's better than Pogacar up to on these okay. lines. So uh, for me, the winner of the stage is Tadej Pogacar. <laughs> 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 so uh, I guess I'm leaning to the other side of the Slovenians. <laughs> for me, um, this parkour, I compare it a little bit with Kola Loza. And the difference there is that I think Roglic took the upper hand on these steeper sections yeah, in the last three kilometers. This is a steep climb as well, but it's nowhere near the gradients of Kola Loz. It's... Under the altitude of Code Lalos, it's to a thousand two hundred instead of two thousand four hundred. If I think uh, Code Lalos was two point four k, yeah, twenty three fifty, I think. Yeah. So um, I think that Pogarchar will be able to follow what Roglic is doing. I think that Lopez might have trouble beating them because I don't think it's steep enough, and he needs steeper gradients to beat the two Slovenians here. And I think Pogarchar will win the. Uh, uphill sprint against Roglic here like last year in that stage 7 8 
yeah, I think it's uh, eight maybe. No, eight was eight was Paris well Who put, Richie Port? Yeah, I, I think, think Port will do well here. Top five in the stage. Does that make sense? Do you, how much time do you think Thomas will lose, if at all, or do you think Ineos will try and control with false tempo on this stage? I think uh, Thomas loses fifty-four seconds here because that's a nice number. <laughs> next stage. I mean, maybe I don't have a great view on that stage. I think the next one suits Roglic way more than Pogacar. Um, I think it's pretty even on stage 17, but stage 18, everyone's saying, oh, Roglic's third week, etc. On Glier, he dropped Pogacar in stage uh, 18 of the Tour de France last year. He was dropping him. 130Ks, short stage, flat for the first 80Ks, and then they do the Tourmalais, 17Ks, 7.4% descent, and then Luzada Den, 13Ks, 7.5%. I don't expect big GC gaps here. I'm expecting, to be honest, Benji, a group sprint at the end. And uh, yeah, between Roglic, Pogacar. So I, I've gone with, who have I gone with? I have to go with who I've written down. I went with Carapaz. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I think Pogacar, I think Pogacar wins this stage. And Roglic, Talking about Carapaz. Yeah. I think that um, Carapaz will attack on the Col de Tourmalet because Ineos will be in, uh, in trouble at this point. Yeah. And he, they will need to go early and Carapaz is the one to do so. On the Tourmalet, they're going to go early. That will put pressure on Yumbo to go hard to try and chase Carapaz because Carapaz will be relatively close in GC, not time trial close because his time trials won't be at the level of Roglic, so he will be behind. But this is where he will put pressure. They will need to chase him and they will do so. Yumbo will chase him down. They will have less riders for Luzari then. Roglic will be isolated. Pogacar attacks and builds up towards a potential Tour de France victory. Understood. Stage 19, the transition stage, 209Ks long from Marur to Le Bon. It's It looks like a sprint. I mean, I was going to say, oh, this is the stage like the one that all the Belgian classics men got into the break and then didn't work well with each other that was won by Sawyer and Kra, I think. Oh, I can't remember. Stage, though, that sort of stage. Yeah. But it's not that hard. So yeah. it, it looks like a sprint again, even though they've got yeah. stage 21. So. Yeah, Molière, if you're still there, or maybe Case Bowl. I, th- I feel like a random sprinter wins this one. Mess Pedersen. I think that the yes. run-in for the sprint is straightforward. It's going to be a muscly sprint. Mess Pedersen is ideal for that. I think that this parkour might not... Well, I think that this Grand Tour is pretty backloaded with sprint stages, so it strikes me as one where riders will not have had knee pain on the first rest day. So there will be a lot of sprinters here, but I still think that Ms. Pedersen uh, takes it home on this one. Yeah, that's my pick as well, and I've got that in writing, so I'm not just copying Benji. Stage 20. <laughs> this is where we saw chaos last year. 30.5K TT. Again, it is not flat. They've got a 4.7% 500-meter climb, lots of rolling caves. It's a slight, slight uphill finish. It's not a flat TT. Uh, I'm going for the win. With Stefan Stefan Kung or Wout van Aert again, I, I can't split them. I think Wout van Aert says he's trying to prep for the Olympics, but he can certainly win this stage. And I think Wout van Aert probably will edge Kung in terms of GC again. It's it's a it's a wash for me between Rolich Pagacha Thomas with a, a slight leaning towards Pagacha because of his. Uh, but maybe Pagacha will have to be more aggressive in previous stages. I'm not sure, but I'm probably going with GC guys. Pagacha over Rolich Thomas, but I don't think big gaps. I don't think the Tour de France is, yeah, shouldn't be won or lost here. I think that Wout Fernard wins the stage. I think that in the third week last year, he had a great time trial. It's close to the Olympics, so it's closer towards that 
goal that he's preparing for. But um, in terms of this time trial for GC riders, Richie Port enters the podium at this point and enters the third position of GC. And I think that Pogacar will beat Roglic here because Pogacar's third weeks are straight up better. It's not that Roglic's third weeks are horrendous, but Pogacar's better in the third week. And I don't believe that it's going to change this day. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, stage 21, my pick was well done as well for the record. John Pelissa stage, I picked Cavendish. Benji, better have picked Cavendish to win this. I had Greipel versus Cavendish. <laughs> and I think the winner, I think we need to do it differently. I think you can have Cavendish. I'll take Greipel. <laughs> okay. We'll take we'll take the meme picks and it'll probably, probably be Case Bowl or someone. The loser has to hang a poster of the winning rider <laughs> In their Mate, background for half a year, Greibel isn't winning, so I can, I'm, <laughs> I, I can I'll take that bet. All right, that's the stage by stage analysis that we've done. It's as detailed as you like. We're going to now go for our Jersey well, breakaway hopeful chances. We've already kind of mentioned them, but we'll do it quickly. I like sort of Magnus Court, Aaron Baru, Freyle, the whole Astana team. Pretty much, Guillaume Martini said he's going for breaks. And Simon Yates and Chavez shouldn't be counted out too for the mountain stages, but it's light on breakaway contenders. Is Shameful. There, is there any other break guy? Shameful. Like? <laughs> no. Harry Sweeney. Oh, true. He actually looked good in the Dauphiné. No Brent Van Moore is one of the riders that uh, could do yes. well on these. Like, if, if a random flat stage goes to become a breakaway stage, he could play a role. If it's a rolly stage as well, but we don't have many of those, so his chances are limited. Gaspar Peterson, same story in that. Dijbenot, I don't know where, but he feels like he's going to get second in some mountain stage. And Michael Gogol could do something in breakaways. Win, likely not. I would have liked him to go to the Giro because he had much more options for stage wins there. I think that I am thinking about Lutsenko, Izigiri, Aramburu, Kortz, Helling, Fulsang if he goes for stages because I still don't believe it. And then uh, I think of Freyla as well. And I mentioned in January that in our 1T preview, Lorenzo Rota would win the stage <laughs> in a Grand Tour. But I said the Giro. But he wasn't selected for the Giro. So he has to win the stage in the Tour de France now. Lorenzo Rota. <laughs> All right, I don't know who that is. Full green jersey competition. Just a quick background on this. So there's, there's either 50, 30, or 20 points available at the finish. And there's always... Uh, 20 points available at the intermediate sprint and then it, it filters down all the way down to zero for the placings or steps down rather so we have if you're a pre, if you're a pure sprinter this is a golden opportunity to win the green jersey because the placement of the intermediate sprints rarely behind a climb in the sort of in the stages later stages there's so many 50 point max sprint point finishes so many bunch sprints there are i think 10 finishes with 50 points available uh, at the finish so there's 70 available on 10 stages throughout the day. The first two stages, however, which are not pure sprint finishes, have also 50 sprint points at the finish. So Wafanart could take a big lead on riders like Caleb Ewan, and Sagan can probably get some points too, Will, on stage one. So I think it's between Sagan and Ewan or Mer- Merlier. I- I'm leaning towards Sagan, to be honest, because I think Ewan will be like first, 11th, second, eighth, and whereas Sagan will be like fifth, 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 every intermediate sprint all day. Uh, but yeah, who's your pick of the green jersey? Mine's Sagan. I think some people might say um, 
fan the pool, but I think his problem is that his team composition does not support that. They've got Merlier and Philipson for the sprints. He will not gain any points in the flat stages in those final sprints, so it's unlikely that he's going for green throughout the parkour of this Giro, and therefore he's definitely not one of the riders I'm seeing as a potential green rider. My Belgian heart says Vanard because I have to, by law. If he, go, if he goes for it, he'd be the heavy favorite. If he actually went for it, I'd pick him, but I don't know if he'll go for the bunch sprints. I think he will. Fernand wins green. Okay. I can't disagree with it if he actually does go for the bunch sprints. KUM jersey, I, w- I had Mark Badoon picked and they didn't pick him. So I want Ben O'Connor to go for it. I think he can win it. I think Guillaume Martin is going to go for it. And uh, if you target it properly and you're like a 10th best GC rider who goes for it, I think you can win. So I'm going with Guillaume Martin, probably the favorite for it. I think we're going to be uh, relatively disappointed for the uh, KUM fights again. I think that. I haven't actually checked whether the GC winner could also win Polka. I don't think this time around. I can't. No, no, no. Let me read it out. So the max poker, okay. all, a lot of the polka dot points have concentrated in from stage 14 to 18. So there's double on stage 11 on Von 2. And a couple, there's 33 and 50 available on 8 and 9. But stages four, uh, 15 to 18 is the max polka dot points you can gain are 35, 21, 60, 62. So... If 17-18 is GC stages, you can and you uh, one and two on those stages, and the break doesn't take them, you can really build up a big buffer. So yeah, GC can win, unfortunately, Benji. Then I think it's Pogacar uh, taking Polka, even though I wrote down Freile. Fair enough. I hope in Guillaume Martin, but yeah, it'll be, I think, Pogacar or Roglic. Now it's the, are we going to do Young Riders <laughs> jersey? I'm going to go with Pogacar for Young Rider. Yeah. I think Benji agrees. Easy. GC predictions, mine is Roglic. Top three. Yep, top three. I'm going to go with Roglic first, Richie Port. Yeah, Tadej Pogacar second, Richie Port third. I'm going to go with the same winner as I said last year. I said Tadej Pogacar last year. He wasn't favorite then. Now he's favorite. But I'll still say Tadej Pogacar and of Roglic and Port. Yep, pretty, pretty similar. So Benji and I just disagree on the winner. Let us yeah. know what you think. I, I just think this parkour really, really suits Roglic. There's a lot of days where he can take a day off with the sprint stages and, and recover for that third week. I think the flat TT is less of a concern. If there was a climb at the end of that, like Planche de Belfi, I, I wouldn't be so bullish on Roglic. Depends on the helmet. Depends on the helmet. He, he won't be using <laughs> he won't be using that, that fucked helmet that cost him last year a few seconds. But yeah, let us know down below. We'd be interested to hear. Are you reading, reading the race a little bit differently? Is is Teo Gagan Hart the Pagacha Benji? Is he going to be able no. to attack and gain eight minutes back? He's going to be the Hindley of the Giro. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that he's going to perform much better than Hindley at the Giro this year. Yeah. Um, I think domestique that he's going to be a domestique, luxury domestique. He's performing really well this year. I just don't think he has a time trial for it. But I still think they can play with him throughout the parkour. I just haven't thought through where that would be viable. I think that Basically everywhere, if he's still close to GC, you can just try and attack here or there, try and put pressure on Yumbo here or there. And that could play into the card of Pogacar because the more Ineos puts pressure on Yumbo, the team of Yumbo will get isolated around Roglic and Pogacar will have more of a chance of winning this Tour de France. And that is the golden strategy that I have in my eyes. That's why Pogacar will win this Tour de France because Ineos will destroy Yumbo. It certainly could happen then. That's what I'm concerned about because I am nervous with my pick at Roglic because of the tactics. I mean, 
you even go down to like Tour de Land last year and you don't notice it. I was watching footage. I watched every single race Roglic and Pogacar has done in the last two years. I was watching footage of Tour de Land last year and, and Roglic, he makes mistakes that you don't even notice because his legs are often so good. He's going for the stage win ahead of Bernal Tour de Land and he moves up. It's just those two. Bernal's attacked him. He moves up in front of Bernal at a steady pace, gives Bernal a draft and then attacks. Whereas obviously you'd normally expect to, but anybody just drops him because his leg is so much better. Normally you'd expect a rider to attack from behind to try and surprise the opponent or at least go back, go past them at a speed differential to try and create initial separation to your back wheel. That's what Pagata does. I, I worry because Roglic doesn't have those sort of instinctual things to do. And then you even saw in the Paris-Nice stage, he won ahead of Laporte and Matthews. He just led them out. He just destroyed them. And that's okay against that competition, but not if Alaphilippe, Pogacar, and co. are on your wheels. So that's my main concern. Do I think they'll make the same horrendous mistakes as last year where they, as Benji's, Benji's kind of reversing it. Last year, they focused all on Bernal for the first 14 stages and ignored Pogacar. This year, will they all focus entirely on Pogacar and forget the Carapaz threat or maybe have to respond to Ineos? I, I don't know, but... I, I don't think they're going to like give, hopefully, Pogacar a tow him around France for 21 stages and then have him beat, Pogac- beat Roglic in the TT and win GC. I'd be, I'd be surprised <laughs> if they did that again. How much time would you go to bed comfortably with Benji? If you're Roglic for the stage 20 TT, how, how, what would make you sleep comfortably? A minute? Five. <laughs> <laughs> Literally 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, <who? laughs> no, no, no. I think um, two minutes. Jesus, two, two minutes. I mean, but it's possible. For yeah. Gacha, third week, I, I, insane. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this was our mega, the ultimate Tour de France preview. Let us know if there's anything we've missed. We'll have a La Course preview dropping tomorrow. The one day women's race. We'll have the women's TDF next year. We'll have a full preview for that when it comes out. I think it's eight stages, but we really enjoyed doing this. It's our favorite podcasts and previews to do. And uh, we hope you get any fantasy betting advice or just uh, we hope it helps you enjoy the tour coming up. But uh, any last thoughts, Benji? We've kept it under two hours. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think we are, we're much more concise about it this time around, despite not being concise about it at all. <laughs> so I think I enjoyed it. I think I will enjoy it. I think it's interesting that we don't have the same favorite because that plays into the dynamic of the podcast as well. And I am incredibly interested to see what other people have to offer when it comes to the common sections. What's your opinion on every single stage? Where do you think that certain riders will strike? Who's your favorite rider here? And who do you want to win a stage somewhere? Do you think that Cav will win a stage? Do you think that Greipel will come out of nowhere and win on Morvan too? You never know. Um, I think there's so much to offer this tour, and I'm, I'm so hyped about it, and I can't wait to get started because I've... I took a month off for this, like, to f- to get in the flow. So let, let's go. <laughs> yep, I'm focused. We're locked in, and we'll see you with the Stage 1 recap on Saturday. Oh, I also have it highlights at every stage, but that's it by the by. Ciao.